Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you back this week. We are talking about the tree of life, and this is Impact Cyber Church. Man, this is so exciting. It's so exciting to realize that even though the tree of life has been, you know, was removed from man so that man couldn't partake of it. Now that we have been made righteous in Jesus, now he is our life. So in him, we experience both the life and the wisdom of God. And, and man, I'm telling you, in this series, Being the Wisdom of God, I get to dive into that deeper than, than I ever can in these broadcasts, but I'm, I'm going to go just as far as I possibly can. Now, understand God has made a way for us to experience his, his life in the same way that man did at the Garden of, uh, in the Garden of Eden. And we discovered last week what the word Eden means. And, and Eden, of course, represents the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And the place where God reigns, where man is, is yielded fully to God, then you have, you have, that's the kingdom of God. And then you have all of the resources, which are all the provisions that were made available for man in the garden. And so in the garden, we had the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And man... Uh, you know, we have this idea that if you ate from the tree of life one time, you'd live forever. That is not what it's implying. You have to continually eat from the tree of life to sustain, to sustain life. Now, and we, we talked about, like I said, the meaning of the Hebrew word for Eden. And, uh, oh man, it, to me it was just so fantastic. If you missed that, you can go back and, and check out last week. So, but I want to talk about now the word life because we're talking about partaking of the tree of life. And the Bible talks about the life of God. What is it talking about? You see, in the, in the New Testament, when you come across the phrase eternal life, or many times just the life of God, or the life that's in Jesus, it's the Greek word zoe. And that is a word that means the quality of life possessed by the person who gives it. So what we, what we have in God is the opportunity to in our hearts and then later in our entire being, whenever, whenever heaven comes to earth and sin is finally eradicated from planet earth, we have the opportunity in our heart to enter into the same quality of life that God possesses. Now, I want to look at the Hebrew word for life as it relates especially to the tree of life. Now, the Hebrew word for life, and remember all Hebrew words have basically a three-letter root and you understand the meaning of that root word by the meanings of each of those three letters that are used uh, in the root. So now, if you just work, look up the word life, you know, it means to live, it means to revive, to be sustained, uh, to be prosperous, to live forever, to be quickened, to be restored, to be made healthy, to be quickened from sickness, quickened from discouragement, uh, quickened from faintness, uh, to refresh, to grow. In other words, it's, it's this very meaning right here that makes me realize you didn't just partake of the, the 
tree of life at one time and it was a fix because it's not just about experiencing eternal life. It's about being revived when you're getting weak and it brought strength and stamina to you emotionally, physically, spiritually. And this is why Jesus, as really as our tree of life, he doesn't just say, you know, come and taste and go do what you want to do. He says, come and abide, come and stay here with me. So, but the Hebrew speaks of life as the experience of life rather than an abstract principle or abstract vitality, which may be distinguished uh, from the body. This is because the Old Testament view of the nature of man is holistic. And that is his function as his body. He functions as body, mind, spirit. And, uh, and it's a unified whole that's spoken of in very concrete terms. So life is the ability to exercise all of one's vital powers to the fullest. Well, death is the opposite of that. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think about this. If life is the capacity to exercise all of one's vital powers, and death is, is, is just the opposite. So when death entered into the picture, man no longer was able to, exp to express all of his characteristics of being like God. Now, I have a theory. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this out here. See, I think, I think all of that potential is latent within, within us right now. In other words, we, there's something in us that says, I should be able to transport myself from one side of the earth to the other instantaneously. I should be able to touch something and have knowledge about it. I should be able to lay hands on somebody and transfer life. We have all of these capabilities that inwardly, we, we, we know we should be able to do these things. Now, this is, this is my theory, and I tell you, I believe this theory almost my whole Christian life. And as I begin to study languages, uh, I feel like I've kind of confirmed it, particularly just by the, the whole definition of life, being able to fully experience and express your full potential, everything, you know, all of your full characteristics. Well, we were created the likeness and image of God. We should be able to do that. Well, I honestly believe that inventions, whether it's the automobile, whether it's the telephone, whether it's an airplane, all inventions are basically the way that we intellectually uh, bring into existence things that imitate what we had the ability to do just in our own hearts and minds before sin came in the picture. Now, I know we're not sinners anymore. But, and so the problem now that we're free from sin, though, the problem is our believing. We've got, we've got generations of people who had limited believing, and we've got cellular memory that, according to the Bible, goes back at least at least we know four or five generations, and so, and so, we are limited, even though inwardly we have this sense of I should be able to do this, I should be able to know these things, you know, I I I should, I don't know about you, but I'm always feeling there's situations where something in me says I, you can do this, you can do this. Well, I'll tell you something, that's just who you really are as a child of God crying out. But our problem is we generally try to solve that problem with, by going and getting more information instead of, instead of going back to God and, and experiencing 
His life and power and His wisdom about how to manifest these abilities on a supernatural level. You know, uh, uh, all civilizations have as part of their history a time when man existed in a godlike state. Well, you know what? They may not even know anymore because, because their history has been so pretty. But all of that goes back to how man functioned in the Garden of Eden when he was functioning in the likeness and the image of God. There is, a, there is a book in Chinese medicine called the Yellow Emperor Classic, I think it is. And, and so the, the, the Yellow Emperor is, being, is going through training to discover how to do Chinese medicine. And I can't remember if he was the one doing the teaching or, or he was being taught, I can't remember. But anyhow, the student at one point there says, it's amazing that we can do these things and we can, and we can stop pain in people's body. And he was talking about you know, using herb, herbs or, or whatever. And uh, I believe it was the Yellow Emperor that said, there, when we knew who we were, we were able to do this with our mind alone. You know something? Every civilization has a history, a memory, a sense of, of a time when, when they were totally capable of doing things just by the power of God in us that emanated you know, f from us and, and influenced and transformed the world outside of us. Now, the tree of, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil stand side by side. And God is always inviting us to experience His life. And now, of course, in Jesus, experience His life. Come and experience His life. Come and be intimate to me. Come and connect with me and, and experience my life. Now, when you have an experience of something, even if you're eating a food that you've never eaten before, you, you have every experience and memory of what it tasted like. Uh, you know, the first time you ate something, I can remember, I can remember the first time I was, I, was, I was in the Philippines and I ate coconut the way they eat coconut. You know, the way we eat coconut in the States is old, it's hard, it's dried out. And we were walking along a path in the jungle one day and... and, and uh, they said something about, about the coconuts, and I said, well, I'd, about what they were like. And I said, well, I'd like to taste one. Well, man, all of a sudden, a guy just shimmies up a tree, pulls out a machete, whacks that coconut, comes down, opens it up. And I'm telling you, it was like eating soft candy. There was such an incredible difference. Well, you know something? I, I have every memory uh, and my senses. When I think about that, even I, I can kind of start to have that taste. I have all the knowledge I need to know about how good a coconut is. But the real truth is I can't put that into words. There's not words that you can understand because I'm trying to convey something to you that only comes by experience. You see, when man would meet with God at the tree of life, he would partake of the fruit and he would experience the life of God. He didn't, he didn't have to make judgments about good and evil. He didn't have to make judgments about what he should do and what he shouldn't do. He experienced and then he knew from the experiencing. Well, the problem is we have become so knowledge oriented that now we want to go get the knowledge. And from the knowledge, we want to create 
the, the experience. I'm telling you something, it, it almost never happens. And when it does happen, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen the way that, that we think that it happens. Now, stop and think about this. And this, this, is a little bit of a, this is a little bit of a mind bender, and this is probably more, I don't know, it's probably out there more than a lot of people want to think about. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible talks about something that I find very interesting. You know, uh, when the children of Israel uh, were in bondage into Egypt, God says that the reason that He responded to them when He did was because He heard their groanings. Now, it's interesting, he did not say that he heard their prayers. He said he heard their groanings. Now, when, when people feel certain things very, very deeply, it's not unusual that they sigh, that they groan, that they moan. And even though that is just a sound, that sound represents a whole experience. Now, <clears throat> I shared this with you in the past about how that when, when the Bible says that, that Moses talked to God face to face, we know that's, that's, that's not literal because it can't be. You can't see the face of God and live. Uh, whenever, whenever Moses requested to see God, God showed him his goodness. He didn't show him his face because you can't see God's face and live. You can't, you can't totally see who God is and actually have the capacity to remain in this physical world, you will be transformed into pure life, pure eternal life, and you, and you, can't, you just can't exist in the material world. And that's not a bad thing. That's not like God killing you. you know, that's the only concept that we have of that. But in reality, in the Hebrew language, it, it, it implies that God was saying, I'm going to kiss you on the lips. And I, I've used this example in explaining this before. You know, when, when you love someone and you have deep affection for them, you don't have to tell them you love them 20 times a day. Matter of fact, if you do that too much, you, you, you're going to uh, create a, a negative experience. But, you know, Brenda and I do this, and I'm sure that many of you do this. You know, we'll just, be, we'll just walk by each other in a room and we'll, you know, we'll just sometimes just put our hands out and let our hands just slightly rub across each other or I'll just walk up and hug her and, and walk away. And so you're having physical, intimate contact that is not sexual. And, and sometimes, you know, during the day, I'll just walk over, kiss her. I don't say anything. You know, she doesn't say anything. But what happens in that connection, there is a download, an instant download, not only of information, but an experiential download of how we feel about one another. And, you know, when, when you're young and, every, and all physical connections with the, with the woman or the man that you love is more sexually oriented, uh, it, it takes a while to, to really, really sort this out. You know, you know, Brenda and I could sit on the couch holding hands, watching television together and experience a depth that we couldn't experience when we first got married while we were making love. And uh, so, so there is this capacity that we have to convey not just information, but an experience from, from one to the other. Now, <clears throat> in language, it is very probable that originally 
there were not words, there were probably only, only sounds, more than likely. And, you know, when God created the world, He said, let there be, you know, let there be light, that word for said implies more about what's happening in his heart than what actually came out of his mouth. And so, you know, I've, I've thought about that a lot. And I don't want to go too far on this. This is part of this is theoretical. Part of it is very much is very much absolutely, you know, scriptural. It's all scripturally based. And so, so I've thought a, a lot. Did God really say, let there be light or did God experience light in his heart and conceive it in his heart? And did he groan, if you will, or did he express something that was the energetic equivalent to, to light? Because remember, words and sounds all have an energetic signature. They all have a frequency. And, um, and see, we know that when the Holy Spirit, after he spoke, the Holy Spirit would hover over the face of the deep. And that hover is like, a, is like a dove beating its wings. It's really like a vibration. And so we, we don't really know, and the language doesn't indicate so much that God brought about all of creation by the specific words that he said as much as by what he conceived in his heart. Well, that's what that's how we operate in faith. You know, many people think if you just say the name of Jesus, it's supposed to be miraculous. Well, the name of Jesus is nothing. The faith is not mixed with it. It's just, it's just a word. It's just, it's just a sound. So you have this, you have this whole concept of, of, uh, of communicating through words. And, and eventually, eventually, uh, man had to have a language to, to communicate things. And honestly, this is my opinion, honestly, if we had never left the garden, I don't know if we would actually have languages the way we know languages today. Because remember, when sin came into the picture, we became knowledge-based. Everything became knowledge-based. It was no longer experiencing God and knowing what you needed to know because you experienced God. Now it was about using knowledge to try to get the things that God promised. And you would use knowledge to get those things with, without God. Now, Stop and think about it. When you say a word, a word is not real. A word is a description or a depiction of something that's real, but it's, but it's not real. It's, it's just a way that we have of telling about something or communicating about something that's real. And so it's sort of like, you have an experience and you try to tell it to someone. Well, the, there, there's all kinds of problems. Number one, you, you've got to use words and words never actually say what you experience. It's like trying to say what that coconut tasted like in the Philippines when it came off of a tree fresh. It was incredible. It was sweet. It was wonderful. I can give you all kinds of adjectives about it, but none of those actually cause you to know what I experienced in that in tasting that coconut. And you can't know it for yourself by the information I give you. You can only know it for yourself if you go eat the coconut. That's why the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. It didn't say observe. It didn't say read about it. It didn't say study about it. it didn't It said taste it. Experience this for yourself. This is the only way that you can know that God is good is when you are willing to taste this for yourself. 
And really, when you go down the whole concept of, of words and communication, you know, you stop and think, okay, words are made up of letters, and these letters all have sounds to them, and these sounds combine together to make words. So, so now you're already three dimensions removed from reality because you got letters, you got sounds, and these sounds equal words. And then you put that word into a sentence, and then you put that sentence into a context. And with each one of these things that we do in order to verbalize knowledge to somebody else, we get farther and farther and farther away from the truth. And so, so then, worst of all, once you give the best description that you can possibly give, what your words mean to you never mean exactly the same thing to the hearer. I tell you, it amazes me the things that you can say from the pulpit that people will come back and, and swear that you said a certain thing and you never said it. But you see, it, it's all about how they hear it and how they hear it is based on how they define words. It's even based on your facial expressions. As a matter of fact, almost all communication, very little communication is actually based on what you say. It's based on your nonverbal, you know, your nonverbal communication. It's based on your tone of voice. It's based on your facial expressions. And so what people end up with and thinking that you said, it, it, it may be just a faint concept of what you experienced and that you're trying to tell them about. You say, well, what's this got to do with wisdom? And, and, and what's this got to do with the heart? And what's this got to do with the tree of life? So at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we are trying to come up with words that we can use in formulas, if you will, so that we can have what God has offered without having to trust God. And that's, that's really the whole plight of the human race today is, and the whole plight of corrupt governments, of corrupt religions, of, of corrupt people, of, of, of sales and marketing, is I'm going to offer you the pleasures that God himself offers you. And I'm going to tell you, you can get them without God if you just understand, if you get the knowledge, the formula that, that, that I'm giving you. Now, when I was in, in, in Bible college, uh, I had, uh, man, I think it was 12 or 13 warts on this hand right here. And I had a planter's wart on my heel that had, that had, that had grown up or that had grown all the way up to the bone and attached itself. And uh, 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 every time I put my foot down, it'd feel like somebody was driving a nail in my foot. But man, I'm doing construction work to, to work through college, carrying heavy, you know, heavy stuff, sheetrock and all this kind of stuff. And I can't even touch my heel down. It hurts so bad. And so, you know, then you're getting cramps in your, in your leg and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'd been prayed for a bunch of times. And, and I'll never forget one Sunday night I was in church and, and I went down to get prayed for. And really when the guy prayed for me, I knew nothing happened. But I, I, I just, I went over and got by myself. And, it, and in my heart, actually, I was, I was, very emotional about it. I was, I was surprised because I'd never gotten emotional about this. I, and it was sort of like I was, I was kind of weeping or sighing. And I suddenly knew that I had connected to God and that this problem was over. And you know what? They started dissolving that day and three days later, all of those warts were completely gone. I could walk, no pain in my foot. 
You know, there's a scripture in the book of Romans where it talks about bringing ourselves into this place where all things work together for good. And it says that the, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings. Now, I know that, that charismatics like to take that word groanings and say, you know, that's speaking in tongues and these are utterances. That's actually in the Greek, it's not utterances. In the Greek, it's actually sighing or moaning or groaning. This is exactly what it means. And, and so I, I go back to the idea that, yes, words are incredibly important, but see, faith is, is, is in the heart. And so if I'm connecting to God in my heart, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be truth. In other words, I, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to get the truth. I'm going to renew my mind. And I'm going to use that information to compel me to connect to God. It's not going to replace God. It's going to inspire me to connect to God. And, and, and I'm going to have this experience in my heart. And when you have an experience in your heart, it, it changes your sense of who you are. Wisdom because it's about application and because it's about, it's holistic. It's about who you are as a person and how you think and how you approach God. You go to God and you connect with God and, and it's not the formula of the prayer you say, it's what you are communicating from what is you conceived in your heart. And you know what? I don't know that it's the words that make that big of a difference. I believe in speaking the truth. I believe in, you know, I believe in declaring the end before the beginning. I, I believe in all that. But I believe the words are, are nothing. They're absolutely nothing if they're not based on what's in our heart. But I think they're the smallest part of what makes things work. Now, if in my heart I'm yearning, I'm longing, I'm sighing, I'm groaning, to be connected to God, not just get my need met, to be connected to God and, and have Him meet this need, then my greater hunger, my greater desire than getting the need met is my desire to be connected to God. Wisdom always keeps you on the path of life. And in wisdom, you experience the life and then you have all of the knowledge and understanding you need to know about that life. If you don't choose the path of wisdom, then you're going to go over and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you're going to keep trying to gather enough information, thinking. And instead of using the information to renew your mind and compel you, to, that based on that truth, based on the information, to compel you to go connect with God, instead of doing that, you're going to use that information as a substitute for God. And your faith is going to be rooted in your information, in your formula, in your incantation, instead of in your intimate, deep connection with God. We read the scripture last week that from the book of Proverbs that talks about eating from the tree of life. And it, and it describes wisdom and how that all of the ways of wisdom are pleasant. All of the ways of wisdom uh, are, are paths of peace. Uh, you know, all of the ways of wisdom are desirable and enjoyable. And it says that wisdom is a tree of life. Let me read it again. Proverbs 3.16. We read it last week. Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways 
are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. I want to tell you something. I, I, I want in my pursuit of enjoying life and we're supposed to enjoy life. The greatest testimony you have is to live a great life, to enjoy life to the fullest and, and know God as your source. That's the greatest testimony of this. I want to know life, but I want every way that I enjoy life, I want every way that I experience life to keep me on a path where I don't disconnect from God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I know that this was kind of a mind bender this week, but hang on, we're going to keep going next week. We're going to be talking more about being the wisdom of God. We're going to get into the whole concept of identity. If you want more information about this, go to impactministries.com and check out the series, Being the Wisdom of God. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.